And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. Uh, I am your host, Lori LeBay, founder of Alzheimer's Speaks and the radio show. And I appreciate you being with us today. Um, before we get started with our guest, I do want to um, just introduce you to Alzheimer's Speaks in general, um, because I know we always get new listeners. And Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to, um, to individuals around the world who are dealing with dementia care. And our goal is to shift our care culture from crisis to comfort worldwide We believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, that we can remove the stigmas that are attached to memory loss and help those who are living with the disease continue to live on with purpose as well as their care partners. At our core, we know Alzheimer's Speaks um, is making a difference, and, um, and, and a lot of that has to do with you. You see, your likes, your clicks, your shares with your Facebook friends, your Twitter tribes, your LinkedIn colleagues, your Pinterest pals, um, all of those small little things that we all kind of take for granted and know that it only takes a couple seconds have really a big impact because you are sharing knowledge with those in need. And many of our friends and colleagues and even family don't talk about what their needs truly are because there's so much embarrassment out there. And through your likes and clicks and shares, you made Alzheimer's Speaks the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's, according to ShareCare and Dr. Oz. So we really appreciate that because here at Alzheimer's Speaks, we believe the only way we're going to win this battle is through collaboration. And that is a, a true, true sign of collaboration. I also want to let people know who are listening that um, one of our goals is to raise everyone's voice. And so if you have a short uh, uh, a story to tell, um, we'd love to hear it. Maybe you have written a book. Maybe you are living with the disease and diagnosed yourself or caring for a friend or a loved one. Uh, maybe you provide a business service or you're working on research or you like to advocate for this cause um, and want people to know exactly how they can get involved and help. We'd like to hear from you. So please reach out to me. And the best way to do that is to go to our website, which is www.alzheimersspeaks.com. And up on the top there, you'll see a big contact button. So you can call me or you can email me or, um, you know, tweet me and, uh, and I will get back to you. But I'd love to hear what you're up to and um, how we can help you raise your voice so that more people know about the work that you're doing. Now, before I introduce our guest today, I do want to just do a couple of shout-outs to um, two companies that are giving away some free trials. Um, and the first is Audible.com. And there you can get a, a free book you can download. Um, and it's a, it's a great way. You know, we're all so fast-paced and on the run these days. It's nice to be able to listen 
if you like to walk or run or you're just sitting, relaxing or driving in the car, um, listen to a book. And so you can get a free 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com forward slash social. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash social. And then the second one is, um, is an accounting system called FreshBooks. And again, there you can get a, th- a free 30-day trial by going to gofreshbooks.com forward slash alive. Again, that's gofreshbooks.com forward slash alive. Free is always fun, so I like to be able to, to mention those. Now, today on the show, we are going to be talking with uh, Reverend Colette um, and she is um, she's just a wonderful woman who has spent the past seven years of um, doing research and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias. Um, and she is a graduate of the Episcopal um, Divinity School and is the rector of the All Saints Episcopal Church in Massachusetts. Um, she is also the chaplain in two different senior living facilities, including their memory care units. And she's the author of this wonderful new book called Do This, Remembering Me. And it's about spiritual care for those with Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, Colette lives with her, um, her husband and two daughters and mother um, back in Massachusetts. And so welcome. How are you today? Oh, very good, Lori. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to be on Alzheimer's Speaks. And I uh, just want to say what wonderful work. Uh, you're doing with this uh, vehicle for people to get information and to connect and just uh, so important. So uh, thank you for the work uh, that you are doing and that all those who have been on your show or contributed in some way and all those who listen, just um, thank you so much for everything that everybody's doing. Great. And I have to apologize because I didn't, I didn't say your, your full name, which a lot of people may just want to Google to find your book. But it's uh, oh, sure. Colette Bashan yeah, so, Wood. Yeah, so I grew up in a very French-Canadian uh, family, and so uh, that last name is um, Bashan, B-A-C-H-A-N-D. And then my last name is hyphenated, so it's Bashan hyphen Wood. Wonderful. Um, well, I've been kind of digging through your book here, and I, I like it because it's small and it's uh, it's just an easy read and one you can throw in your purse. And um, I found um, some of the stories in there just fascinating. But why don't we start out first with, um, have you and your family been personally touched by the disease? It's always nice for our audience to know. Yeah, so, Lori, we have. Um you know, I began being very interested in Alzheimer's care um, about eight or nine years ago now, and so started my own sort of interest in work in that. And then lo and behold, as these things happen in life, um, halfway through some of that work, my father, yes, was um, was diagnosed with uh, probably it was vascular dementia uh, that he had. And um, so that you know, that journey and that wondering about those caring um, components became very personal for our family. And uh, he passed away, it'll be uh, two years this August, this summer, um, of of what they just called complications uh, related to dementia. Um, And uh, so, yes, witness firsthand how it was for uh, my mom as a spouse to go through that. 
witness firsthand what it was like to see him sort of slip away from being this uh, person in the community that was a beloved attorney in this uh, town of New Bedford, Mass. Just knew everybody, had grown up there, never left never left town and was just a very respected and very intelligent, um, very gentle person. And so, yeah, got to watch that sort of slipping away uh, bit by bit. Um, so, yeah, Lori, it's uh, both personal and uh, very much professional passion. But um, we've, we've, we've done the walk. And so while it was painful, I'm, I'm very grateful, too, for um, my dad got to teach me a lot, <laughs> as dads do. Um, uh, even in his days with dementia. So very, very grateful um, to have experienced that with him. Oh, that's nice. And, and did I miss it? Did you say how long he, he had uh, dementia? Um, yeah. So, you know, as these things go, one doesn't really know, uh, you know, because people notice signs early on, as particularly a, a spouse might. So probably... Um, probably he lived with it a good 10 years. Um, you know, my mom will report things that she noticed very early on. And then, you know, as is so often when, when somebody comes to visit, so the kids come home, right. And all of a sudden, gee, dad seems fine. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, you know, that happens, uh, so often. So he, he probably lived with it a good, uh, 10 or 12 years, but, uh, really the last five were the significant decline. Okay. Okay. Now you um, chose to write a book um, regarding some of your your teachings and and learnings through yeah. this process. Can you tell us why this book is important and and who who do you who is your target? Who's going to benefit from it? Right. Um, so you mentioned in your intro, Lori, uh, collaborative work, and I think that really touches on why this book is important because. Uh, for anybody who's trained in spiritual care, um, going through seminary or other kinds of training, guess what? Nobody ever taught us about any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there was never a conversation around, um, you know, how do you do this and how we'll, how we'll be providing spiritual care to folks who experience Alzheimer's. How, how is that going to be different? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I only graduated seminary 10 years ago, so I'm, you know, I'm not somebody who left seminary 30 years ago. So we... You know, it, it just isn't being taught, um, and so it became, uh, it seemed important to, to start some kind of conversation, um, and in terms of who will benefit, I really tried to write it, Lori, so that, so yes, if you're, you know, the pastor from the local congregation church, this is going to be helpful for you. Um, if you're a chaplain working in a facility or a hospital, um, this will be helpful, but also for families, um, because... You know, one of the things that I've seen in my work, and I certainly saw in our family, but um, are that folks who had a, a faith life together and a spiritual life together, and maybe, you know, a couple who've gone to church for, you know, 50 years together on Sundays or, um, you know, families where this was really important, uh, that's one of the things you begin to lose, or at least it feels like you begin to lose, right? Because you can't get, you know, mom to church anymore. Um, and so, what really occurred to me is there are ways that even somebody with a very advanced um, disease can still participate in spiritual rituals and still pray with their family and sort of recreate spiritual times together. So, as I say, while the book, you know, absolutely is, is uh, good for the professional person, you know, it's also good for um, 
anybody who, you know, say has an uncle who's in the nursing home, but, you, you know, you know he was very religious and he went to church all the time and you know he liked to pray. And so, you know, that uncle's niece could pick up this book and, and find lots and lots of tools in it that you know, make those kinds of interactions um, work and helpful and effective. You know, I think... I think, Lori, sometimes people feel like, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, I don't want to go visit Uncle Tom. He's got dementia, and uh, I'm just terrified I'm not going to go, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And even for local clergy, the same thing. You know, somebody asks, oh, will you go see my mother? She's in the nursing home. She's got Alzheimer's, but she she used to come to church all the time. And, you know, you freeze. You're like, oh, wow, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? You know, do I even bother? Are they going to even know if I'm going to be there? Um, so I, I hope that this book just really offers some very practical tools that help people not to be afraid to do those visits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because and there is so much fear and uneasiness of what do I say, what do I do, how long do I stay, right? Um, right. Do I right. do I talk right. to them? Do I touch them? Do we do an activity? You know, expectations. Right. I mean, it just it's kind of endless, and it's. It's kind of sad when you are really comfortable, you know, and you, you've kind of learned um, how to just be with somebody and accept them for who they are to watch right. another person fidget so much and um, or, right. or not show up at all. Um, and that that's unfortunately feels like what happens a lot, um, you know, because people feel helpless and they, you know, they don't know. Um, can I share one, one story, Lori, that, sure. that, uh, sure that is in the book, but I think for your listeners to, you know, someone asked once, well, you know, why did, why did you start doing this? And why did you, uh, why did you get interested? And it was really a visit, um, that I had when I was working in hospice care. Um, so this was probably eight or nine years ago now, but it was a visit with a woman of very, very advanced Alzheimer's, um, just really when she she would sit in a chair and it was, you know, just, it was some babble soundings, you know, and, um, but she, you know, the family had said, sure, go visit, you know, she was very religious. So yeah, send the hospice chaplain um, in, you know, so I had been to see her once or twice before and um, it was about maybe my third visit with her. And, you know, she's come from a Roman Catholic background. I could tell via the items in her room, rosary beads and those kinds of things. But this particular day, she really wasn't connecting or engaging. And um, so I was just about to leave because, you know, I felt like, oh, well, this isn't going well today. But I had had my communion kit with me uh, from visiting somebody else. And so I sat down and I pulled up her bedside tray and I started to unpack my communion kit, kind of like setting an altar at church and you know, a little chalice and a patent. And I always have a little candle. And um, if it's Christmas, maybe a sprig of holly or just things that are, are pretty and catch your eye and colorful. So she's watching me set all this up. And again, you know, she hasn't connected any kind of words in, in a very, very long time. But she's watching me set this all up and uh, the counter of her eye, and she kind of stops talking, which she rarely <laughs> ever did. And then uh, I sort of was finished, and I was just sitting there. I didn't say anything, and she reached down. She took the chalice, and she raised it up in front of her, just like a priest would in church. And she said, remember me. And it was this moment, you know, I sort of just sobbed because I felt like she was teaching me something that I'm in here and I know what this is. I can't say it. I can't explain it. I can't, um, but I know, and it's, it's connecting and it's making sense. 
um, just by her taking that chalice and lifting it. And so I, I just, that was such a remarkable moment. Um, she's in there and she, and God's with her and she knows, she knows what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided that for those of us who are spiritual caregivers, whether we're clergy or chaplain, um, we need to be doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we really need to be providing this kind of care for people. Um, you know, as I say, you mentioned that word collaborative earlier, mm-hmm. and that's not the, the spiritual component and well-being of dementia patients is rarely ever addressed. Um, you know, go into a memory care unit or for family members who have folks in a memory care unit. Uh, maybe there's a chaplain that comes or maybe, you know, Tuesday mornings uh, somebody comes and says the rosary once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to find places that are actually really have an active uh, spiritual care program in these facilities. Um, and so I think the spiritual well-being of so many people is just being pushed to the side. Uh, and yet it's a place where they still can connect and they still can be drawn out. Um, and so for us to not be doing this just feels, um, uh, it just feels so important to do it mm-hmm. and to try. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you shared that story because I actually had um, that page um, dog in here, and here it was Dottie about, <laughs> yeah, um, oh, I've got to ask her yeah. about that story. So it was kind of funny that you um, that you spoke of that one yeah. because I just thought that was so, so touching as well. Now, the other thing I think that you bring up is the, the importance of the spirituality, but it's also with people with Alzheimer's and dementia, depending on um, where they are in the process, engaging them differently. Because um, I see a, right. a lot of um, senior communities and senior housing, for the most part, having programs, but nothing's changed. It's just all the same right. Um, right. for one as it is another. And um, and to me, right. that's the, the biggest thing in terms of really making a difference and really connecting is the approach and the style um, has to change right. with that. Right, um, right. Now, uh, it's just a positive care mm-hmm. approach that 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 says that we know you're still in there. Um, it just can make such a difference um, to, to somebody. Uh, it, I don't know, um, Laura. You, I'm sure if you've been through the book, you've seen the um, reference I make to its music and memory mm-hmm. program. Yep. Um, and um, if any of the listeners wants to see this, if you Google music and memory. And you cook on a little story about a guy named Henry. Mm-hmm. And it just shows when somebody takes the time to do something personal and specific for him, how literally, literally he comes back and is able to talk in sentences. And that's the same as spiritual care. If somebody can take the time to sit and, um, and say these prayers or, or sing hymns, um, it touches the same way that other kinds of music does and actually i would i would argue it touches on even a a bigger level um but it does take somebody taking the time to do that and um what a difference it can make uh Mm -hmm. and just in terms of making somebody feel calmer um more connected and valued Mm -hmm. you know now are you familiar with alzheimer's music connect at all have you have you heard of Um, them 
I don't know if it's uh, recently stumbled upon a gentleman out of Harvard University who's doing. Um, I don't know if it's the same. I'm not, Laurie. I guess. Okay. Yeah. They they actually have um, uh, different recordings for different types of religion um, for people. So it's really pretty cool. You know, they've got they've got hymns and um, just all different types of things to help people connect on that spiritual level. And, um, yeah. you know, music is so powerful and they have, uh, they have a, a patent. I think, I think their patent is pending, um, for some technology that allows people as they listen, huh. it, it um, does something yeah. to the brain to make them connect for yep. a little bit longer yeah. sure. process. Sure. So that might be a nice resource for you too. And, um, and right. clients, right. um, but that music and memories it, it, is so powerful. So powerful. Oh, it's just. And and you know what you see in that music, that video with Henry, that's what I see in the memory care unit when the, the praying and the singing is done. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's remarkable. And and you know I just want to just jump with joy and explosion and just tell people about it because every memory care unit should should be doing this now because look look at look at uh, you know somebody who was so irritated and, and is now you know fully participating in, in singing and um, and it just changes it just changes so much mm-hmm. uh, and I, like I said before and I think it just it, it validates their too that they're they're still in there um, you know that they're still alive inside there's there's still that flame and spirit and um, someone that once asked me why I felt so confident about that <laughs> um, and of course not only because I've seen it so literally, um, but also when we think of how people understand God and spirituality and so divine presence or higher power, all those terms, um, that's never, a sense of God has never been something that we could explain or describe with words or even experience words, um, right? It's not something we understand with our our, our mind is something that you understand in your gut and in your heart. And so for me, people with Alzheimer's and dementia don't need words to experience God and to be reminded of, of God's presence with them because it's something you feel. And, and what we know about people with Alzheimer's, right, is they have this sort of emotional memory. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's where God exists within that emotional memory. And that that's still there. Um you know, and, and even like I say, for family members to, to be able to, um, and it feels awkward, you know, uh, at first when, you know, if a family member thinks, okay, I'm going to start doing prayers with mom once a week. And oh, it feels awkward at first, you, you know, but, but once you see those little sparks, it just uh, makes it so worth um, every effort. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. Um it's so humbling to be part of the connection and um, mm-hmm. to see that happen. And, and I think, um, anyways, for me, you know, my mom had, had dementia for 30 years. It, it made me be still, Ugh. you know, it made yeah. me be still yeah. and be more present um, and right. and get comfortable with silence, you know, because we're not a, a right. community that's uh, or a society that's comfortable with silence at all. Right. And, um, and so right. it's pretty interesting. And when you mentioned um, Alive Inside, uh, you know, that is also a, a video and a movie. So you can see a little short yes. video on YouTube and, and watch um, 
watch this man react and and others as well. I think there's several different um, pieces to the live and slide short trailers. But it's a beautiful thing because not only do you see his reaction, but if you watch carefully, you'll see the whole room change and their reaction to his reaction. And there's just kind of this peacefulness and this happiness that that just exudes out of it. And it's something so simple that we can can all be part of um, if we choose to do that. Um, why why don't we talk about, um, in a little, little bit more depth, if we can, um, what we know about people's ability to really maintain, you know, their, their depth of, of faith. And you had mentioned that it really is an emotional kind of memory that's locked in there and, and can be triggered. Right. Right. You know, um, so if we think about two, uh, well, here's a, here's a story and example. I think that lifts up that a little bit. Recently had somebody in the, um, one of the memory care units I work in and, uh, he, a gentleman passed away and he was young. He'd had early onset. Um, I don't know his exact age, but he couldn't have been, he couldn't have been over 65. Um, and so, you know, he, he, he went pretty quickly in terms of the disease progression and, it was just very, very sad. Um, he didn't retain a lot of words, but he, so he used to come to my, um, my worship service on, on Friday afternoon and words weren't big for him, but he whistled everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so every song he sat and whistled perfectly, you know, right on key with every stanza um, and, and he was somebody who was very agitated and it wasn't every time, but many, many, many of the times he would actually finally sit down and he would just whistle with his eyes closed the entire service, you know, and he was one of these pacers up and down the hall in people's rooms, poking at the nurses, you know, going into everything. I mean, just because he was young, he was healthy, he had energy. Um, but he, you know, he would get to the service and like I say, he would just whistle through the whole thing. Well, it was interesting. He, when he passed away, um, I, his wife uh, was in the facility. Um, he died at the facility. And I said something to his wife about how oh, it was always so nice to have him in our service because he whistled all the songs. And she said to me, well, he hasn't gone to church in a very, very long time. So he wasn't a church guy. And, you know, I let that be. Cause, um, but it occurred to me what she was saying is she didn't think he got any value off going to the worship service. Now she never saw him in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was suggesting that because for the last 40 years of his life, he hasn't gone to church, then probably he wasn't getting anything out of that. Mm-hmm. But what we remember, right, is that people with advanced Alzheimer's will be most connected to music that they heard from usually say the ages 10 to 20 mm-hmm. 10 to 21. So in the, in the years that we're most emotional, so with those preteen years, right, that we're cookies individuals and then the teenage years. And then, so the early twenties when we're young and falling in love, our life's exciting and we've got jobs so as emotional people, those are our emotionally high times in life. Mm-hmm. And so the memories attached to those years, um, is what we talk about. We say, oh, they can remember what they did in high school, but they can't remember what they did for lunch. Mm-hmm. And that's why. And so even for this person who was in my unit who passed away, for his wife to say, well, he hasn't been to church since he was, you know, in his teen years. But, you know, those those were the years that he's 
he was he was able to go to um, with with the music. So in fact, was able to very much connect with um, that that feeling and that sense of, and you could see it. You know, he would close his eyes and he would whistle the the, the songs and. Uh, you know, for whatever faith tradition anybody has belonged to, when you walk into a house of worship, um, whatever kind, there is, you feel different. I mean, nobody can explain it. I can't explain it, but you feel different when you walk into a church or a synagogue or uh, it just feels different. And you could see that in him. He would, he would, he just would become different. And so I think, you know, for people to remember too, even if somebody were to say, you know, well, yeah, I really didn't go to church much at the end of my adulthood. Well, but, you know, did grandma drag you to church when you were 14? And, you know, <laughs> these emotional memories are still there. And um, to be able to tap into them uh, is just such a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it tr- I don't know if that answered your question. I forgot what your question was. But <laughs> it was, it was a, no, we had just talked yeah. about trying to... Um... Help them maintain their ability to, you know, to yeah. tap into that faith, and and how do we do that? Um, what is your hope for the book, and on, on, you know, for both people with dementia and those that care for them with dementia? What do you hope the book will do? Sure. So, you know, on an individual basis, I'm hoping that it just gives um, anybody who picks it up maybe one or two things that gives them the confidence to walk into a visit with somebody and be able to bring, however they understand God, be able to bring God to that person um, and have them have that connection. So on a, on a very simple level, as I say, if, 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 if one daughter picks up one skill to go visit mom with, um, or even the encouragement or just, or just, she, I never thought to try this, mm-hmm. then, then that's remarkable and wonderful. Um, I'm also currently um, developing two types of workshops um, mm-hmm. with this topic, because as I was saying earlier when we started, Lori, people just aren't training people to provide spiritual care um, mm-hmm. for this population. Uh, so I'm really hoping to be able to do some teaching. So I've developed two workshops. One is for sort of family members and kind of caregivers, so staff at facilities, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um so being able to um, help pe- people develop some skills um, themselves and sort of awareness. And then the second workshop is, is for uh, professionals, so clergy and chaplain, um, again, to be able to learn enough so that they don't feel intimidated or scared to, to, provide, um, to provide that kind of care. Um, one story that I also like to share, which is in the book, uh, and it goes back to your thoughts around collaborative work. So when we're caring for somebody with Alzheimer's, right, we bring in the nurse and the social worker and maybe a PT if there's some PT issues or, um, you know, the um, someone to do meds, so psychologist or whatever. So we, we put together these teams, and as I say, very rarely do they say, oh, let's, you know, let's, let's bring uh, someone from a faith community in if this person was, was somebody who – um, who belong to who belong to a community. So really, being able to lift up the need in the industry for mm-hmm. for for this kind of care. And so the story that I wanted to tell was um, when I first started doing it, and I was still working in hospice at the time. The hospice agency had a 
support group like many do for people who caregivers and spouses and, and family members. And so I was at the support group and um, I started to show them some of the things that I do, um, sort of the interactive, you know, not using a lot of words, but uh, picture books with colors and props, you know, beads and uh, Bibles and um, so the sort of tactile. Uh, so I was showing this group these various ways that uh, I, I do the work and she, in the back of the corner, isn't this lady? She's just she's crying, and so I sort of stopped and I said, you know, it'd be okay if I asked what your tears are about. And she said, thank you for doing this. She said everybody else has given up on them, mm. and that just spoke such volume in terms of for so many family members, right? We just feel like, especially if we're not able to keep them home, um, we feel like so often it feels like not that this is really what it happens, but it feels like. Uh, somebody is in a chair and they sit for long periods of time and nobody's engaging them and um, nobody's really given, giving anybody any hope. Mm-hmm. You know, so often the medical side will focus on what people can't do and what mm-hmm. people have lost. And spiritual care focuses on what can we still do and what do we still have. And so it brings really a sense of hope to to that person and to that family and, and um you know, and then in terms of with your question, what do I hope to do with it? I'm also hoping to be able through these workshops to um, help churches become dementia-friendly facilities. Mm-hmm. Again, not something anybody ever thinks of. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, here in Massachusetts, there's an organization called Dementia Friendly Massachusetts, mm-hmm. which is going and training um, every kind of organization you can think of from police departments to restaurant staff to banks to first responders on how to how to work with folks with dementia and so I've recently gone through their training and um, now I'm on a mission to create dementia friendly churches in Massachusetts so being able to go into churches and you know teach about how do you identify somebody with Alzheimer's you know what when you have somebody in, in your congregation uh, you know what does that look like and how do you, you how can we still provide a spiritual community for these families? Um, and and just while I'm thinking of it, Lori, if I can, my book is uh, Christian-centered because that's the context that I work as an Episcopal priest. I'm a Christian minister. But really the techniques in here can be for people of any faith tradition um, because all faith traditions have rituals and all faith traditions have music or prayer of some sort, uh, or even prompts. Uh, when I say prompts, I mean um, items uh, that represent a faith. Um, you know, so think of like a menorah or some of the other uh, Buddhist statues, those kinds of uh, items that represent a faith tradition. And so really, while this is, is Christian-based, because it's the context that I work in, the same ideas can be uh, used for any faith tradition that somebody um, that somebody um, is from. Uh, so, uh, you know, just being able to look at the same things, music um, and visuals, visual mm-hmm. cues, knowing that words really don't work anymore for folks with Alzheimer's and dementia. And so um, what does work? And... Uh, so I would encourage any listener who, you know, maybe thinks this is all neat, but she, you know, they're not of a Christian tradition, that that it, it really can span. God is still God, and God is still in there. 
Um, and so how can we help them remember that and feel that presence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. Um, do you do any work with us against Alzheimer's with their their clergy against Alzheimer's? Uh, I recently found out about them a few months ago, and I've been reading some of their uh, some of their materials. So just starting to um, because now that the book's out, really just yeah, starting to make all these connections, um, and that's really hopeful, isn't it? I mean that there that there are other people that are talking and and looking at and looking at it. Um, you know, I think the more that we can collab- your word collaborate just at the beginning is just is, is haunting me in a very positive way that, you know, uh, collaboratively we can really provide better care for for people living and family members. Uh, collaboratively we can do that. Um, so it's wonderful to be able to offer this as a starting tool mm-hmm. uh, yeah, for I- people. I, I yeah I think um, I think connecting with them would be really um, helpful for you and for the book and um, they had produced a, a book on spiritual care and they did um, gosh I, I want to say it was seventeen or nineteen different denominations um, yes wonderful and, yeah and I, I remember interviewing. Um, I can't remember if it was a pastor or a priest and he said I learned so much from the other face. You know, right. um, in, Interesting. In, in realizing how much we really have in common, and he said one of the one of the meditations that somebody else has used, he now uses it all the time. He just found it very healing and helpful and stuff. So that was kind of that was kind of cool. Um, with yeah. Me. So oh. yeah. Um, Wonderful. Is there is there anything else that we haven't mentioned um, that you would like to share with our audience about your book or trainings? Well, um, I, you know, I, we've touched on a lot, and um, you know, I would just encourage uh, folks to, you know, especially especially folks that have um, people, whether it's in a memory care unit or you know, assisted living, you know, to, to begin to ask. For example, at the next team meeting, sometimes family members go to these team meetings. Um, gee, is there any, um, you know, is there any clergy that could come visit, or are there any spiritual programs here? And if not, why not? Um, you know, how are we respecting the full essence of who these people are, mind, body, and spirit? And, and yes, it's great that we're going to play, you know, um, a table ping pong game or something. Um, but um, but I think the more people that start talking and, and perhaps asking uh, facilities to be able to provide that. I do know a facility in Massachusetts that has a huge and really... Uh, multi-interface uh, chaplaincy department for their seniors and they have a memory care and assisted living and um, and it's wonderful to see um, and, and again I think just nourishes the full essence of, of who these people you know who people are um, little mind body spirit piece wonderful <laughs> let's not forget the spirit yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, the thing that keeps us yeah. lifted. Um, one of the other pieces in this book that I um, I just thought was kind of beautiful. What you wrote was some of the most coherent things I've heard these residents say is often after our time of prayer hymns, and then you wrote, right. "I truly believe that by walking with them through their words and sounds and gestures of church, they connect with the powerful feelings that worshiping evokes from all people of faith." I truly, it truly lifts up what we know to be true. And um, wherever two or three are gathered in God's name, God is there. God has not forgotten them. 
And okay. I just saw that as really right. powerful um, for people well, to people to remember um, in the process, you know, of itself. Right. So, um, well, why don't we go ahead and give people your contact information? And I'm going to let you go ahead and give them the the information that you would like them to have, um, if it's phone sure. or email or websites. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, um, an email address that can be used would be uh, my name, Colette Wood. So that's C O L E T T E W O O D at Comcast.net. Um, to buy the book, it is available at Amazon, um, which a lot of people use. Also, uh, churchpublishing.org is another uh, entity that can purchase uh, that way. Uh, sending an email is a great way to start a conversation to uh, ask questions or to be able to provide other uh, other information. And uh, I am also available for, uh, you know, some speaking on it and, and, and now some training uh, in terms of for, uh, for folks or for churches or for uh, clergies or chaplaincy departments or hospitals. Um, etc. So those are that would be the best way to um, to reach me. Okay. I don't have a website yet, or um, but that will be coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. All in time, you can't do everything overnight, you know. Indeed, it does. Indeed, it is a process. Well, thank you so much for being with us, uh, Colette. It, it was just yeah. truly a pleasure to to have you uh, join us today, and I wish you the the best of luck. Well, and I, I, I thank you, Lori, and I thank everybody that you've been involved with for everything that that you all are doing because, as you said in the beginning, the only chance we have is doing it all together. And um, so it's uh, I've, I'm among good company when I think of the work that you are doing as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. You have a blessed week. Um, I'm thank just, you. Take care. You yep. too. Uh, I just want to highlight for people, if you have not had a chance to listen to our last couple of shows, you may want to check those out. We had Gary LeBlanc and Liz, uh, Lisa Rodriguez on talking about managing Alzheimer's and dementia behaviors in a healthcare setting. We also had Tom and Karen Brenner on who um, use the Montessori method um, when dealing with dementia, and we talked about removing the doom and gloom from dementia all like all of our shows everything is podcast so you can go back for for years and listen to them our next show is going to be entitled the nfl and brain injuries and we are really lucky to have uh, dr jason with us who was a former uh, football player and also mike uh, durosen who um has the um has a foundation uh, for his brother, Dave Durson, um, who ended up taking his life. And um, it, it's going to be a really interesting conversation, and that will be held uh, this coming Thursday at 1 o'clock. Also, you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com, and you can find out about our um, last dementia chat session where we talked about um, filming and advocacy and video and how that affects them. Our next Dementia Chats will be on June 28th, and those are, of course, free. We also had our last uh, Conscious Caring Resource interview, which is a video interview with behavioral specialist um, uh, Elon Caspi, and he talked about his wood carving project of a brain that is now um, on exhibit 
at Yale University in helping children learn about the brain. And our next interview will be with Claire Webster, who is from Caregiver uh, Crosswalk up in Canada. Uh, what else? I want to give a shout out to the Caregiver Alert Center, uh, which is just a fabulous tool you can use um, to help in case your loved one or client would wander off. You can be all set and ready to go in less than 10 minutes, uh, getting a flyer distributed and sending it out to your buddy list. Um, in closing, I just want to um, encourage you to go to our website and sign up and um, pick through our tools. One of them that I think you'll really enjoy, and it's very simple, is called Your Memory Chip. And it focuses on truly being pain, uh, uh, person-centered by instead of focusing on tasks, focusing on are they safe, happy, and pain-free. Until next time, have a brilliant day. Bye now. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great quick motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.